0: Are you looking for more creative ways to target speech and language goals? This episode features the SLP behind Speech Tree Co., Rochelle Paquette. Rochelle got the inspiration for her many objects while working as a pediatric SLP. You'll get to hear how she got started and how she likes to use them in therapy.
1: You're listening to the Speechy Side Up podcast. This podcast will cover the flip side of traditional speech and language therapy, so you get inspired and learn from experts in the field. Here is your host, author, AAC specialist, and matcha tea lover, Vanita Litvak. She and her guests are serving up some informative and fun topics in Speechy Side Up.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Speechy Side Up podcast. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment. You can also follow along on Instagram at Speechy Side Up. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Today I'm joined by pediatric speech language pathologist and business owner, Rochelle Paquette. Rochelle is an SLP behind Speech Tree Co., a company that creates engaging mini object boxes for speech and language therapy. Hey Rochelle. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited that you're here today. Before we get started, why don't we paint a picture for the listeners? Can you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do today and how you got there?
1: Yeah. um, Okay, so I guess I'll just start um, from my college. Um, I grew up in California and went to California State University, Long Beach for both my undergraduate and my graduate um, degrees. After college, lived and worked as an SLP in California, and then I actually just moved to Colorado this last year. I am working in the early intervention population now and absolutely love it. Prior to that, I was um, an SLP in an outpatient clinic with like birth to 18, so I got a lot of fun experience there as well. Um, and then I briefly contracted with the school and worked for that school while the SLP was out on leave. So yeah, I've, had, I've worked in a few different settings and been an SLP just under three years. And then I'm sure we'll talk about it, but I've been running a Speech Tree Co. for just about a year as well. And yeah, I got, um, got engaged last year and I'm getting married this year and we just got a puppy. So lots of fun things have been happening. Congratulations. And I saw you guys got an Australian Shepherd. Is that right? Yes. A mini Australian Shepherd. (laughs) They're so cute. Yes. She's a handful, but we love her.
0: (laughs) They are a handful. My husband and I were considering getting one back when I was in grad school and we lived in a condo and we're like, there's no way (laughs) like this poor dog needs way more space to run around. So we didn't end up getting the dog, but I really love them. They're so cute.
1: Yes. They're great.
0: So let's talk about Speech Tree Co. Since I think that's what you're really known for, you know what is it and why did you start it?
1: So I've always been extremely creative. Um, Ever since I was a kid, I would like do creative writing. I would draw. I babysat all the time, and I'd always like make up games to play with the kids I was babysitting. So I've always like had that creative outlet. Even in grad school, uh, with my clients in the clinic, I would like make personalized games based off their interests and people in grad school thought I was crazy. They're like, how do you have time um, to do all of that? And honestly, it's, that's my downtime. Like just having that creative outlet is really relaxing for me. So the first time I really tried to actually like share with other people was when I was running a social skills group at my first job. And I was putting together lessons on a weekly basis. So I thought, hey, why don't I just make these look prettier and like add some clip art and stuff and maybe people will be interested in them. So when I say try, all I did really was upload them to TPT and then forget about them. <laughs> so um, obviously nothing really came from that. And then it wasn't until I had the idea for Speech Tree Co. that I actually really started pursuing um this little side business. And so how I got the idea was actually, we at my previous clinic, there was five other SLPs there and we all shared a toy room. So having everyone share the same toy room, obviously, you know, things don't get put back in the right way, or you set something aside to clean it and then forget where it goes. So we had this little bin, um, kind of like a catch-all bin where we just put all the little pieces from the toys that we weren't quite sure where they went. And then one day um, I was informed that I was about to see a client that I, I didn't prepare for. Like I wasn't aware that I was going to be seeing him. So I was like, oh no, what am I going to do? So I just grabbed this random box full of all these like little objects and the kid happened to be working on the S sound. So I was like, okay, let's work on some phonological awareness. Let's, let's look through this box of toys together and try to find anything that has your sound in it. And he loved it. Um, We ended up finding a bunch of stuff in there that had his sound in it. And he rolled the dice and practiced all the words. And we got a ton of trials. And then I thought, hey, like, let's see. This kid loved it so much. Let's see what else we can do with this. So I kept it in my room for that day and ended up using it to work on prepositions with a different kid and describing. And um, that's what really gave me the idea. Wow, how awesome would this be? If there was a product with all these objects that are sorted by speech sound, just seeing how much more engaging this is for my kids over articulation cards, I think that this is something that the SLP community would really benefit from. And I talked to, I knew nothing about business. I still don't. I'm learning as I go. But one of my really good friends had started her own business. So I kind of talked to her about starting a website and getting the inventory. And um, yeah, she helped me. And I've just been working on it from there. I love that story. I love how,
0: you know, it started from a need and then you found out that it really worked. And now other SLPs are benefiting from it. And I agree. I think that it's way more engaging to have those manipulatives rather than the cards. That's awesome.
1: Mm -hmm. Thank
0: you. Great. So let's talk about your experience as a newer SLP. I mean you're not that much newer than i am (laughs) i guess i guess i'm like at five six years now so you're three years Um, i'm sure we have like a lot in common but let's talk about what your experience has been and what advice you have
1: yeah i'm starting to feel as as the the days go by i'm starting not to feel like such a new slp anymore but i think i definitely just look on you know you compare yourself to other um, tb and things like that on instagram who have like 10 plus years of experience And I think it's just natural to have those feelings. Like, what do I have to offer as a new SLP? Like, who's going to, who's going to care about what I say? Kind of that imposter syndrome. So I actually never even heard of the term imposter syndrome until this past year when I feel like everyone on Instagram was talking about it. And I was seeing SLPs with tons of experience saying that they had imposter syndrome and that's when it really like hit me that everyone feels that way. You know, no one knows it all. Also, I am Enneagram three. I don't know if you you do that, but yeah, I'm Enneagram three good. too. <laughs> yeah, yes. So you know, you know. Um, yeah, really high achiever. I'm pretty hard at myself and hold myself to a high standard. So it's just been a process of being more lenient with myself. Also, I listen to a ton of podcasts and a lot of them talk about like mindset. And um, it sounds cliche, but it's true that a lot of them talk about how like no one can do things exactly like you do. Everyone has their own perspective and their own take. So I've just really took that to heart and ran with that. And yeah, um, one thing that I've really leaned on to help me build my confidence um, going into like making products and seeing difficult clients is CEUs. I'm a little bit of a continuing education junkie. Um, (laughs) Anytime I have a new client or if I'm putting out a new product and I'm just not quite sure about it, I just hit those free webinars and those free CEUs. And I find that afterwards, it really makes me feel more confident and able to talk about whatever the the issue was that I was researching more. And so that's definitely helped me um, overcome some obstacles. But, I think, in the beginning, when you first start out as an s l p it's really overwhelming, and you look at everyone else, um, especially on Instagram, you're looking at everyone else, and you just think, "Wow, like you know they they know it all there's so much to know. Where do I start?" So what I really had to realize is that I can't know it all all at once, and um, I decided just to start with. The clients that I have. So I would have a client and I would come across a problem. And that just inspired me to, you know, take it one step at a time. Okay, I'm gonna learn a little bit more about this. And then um, just going from there. And yeah, I feel like if you look at the bigger picture as a new SLP, it can be really overwhelming, um, rather than just taking it, you know, step by step.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that advice. And you are absolutely right. I love that you go and look for CEU opportunities or look for research to back up what you, know, you want to present. I do the exact same thing because I think our field makes it really difficult too. It's just so broad. So you might be working in early intervention in one stage of your life and then maybe like switching to AAC in another phase of your life. And so whatever skills you had previously acquired might not be applicable anymore, but you might just need to brush up on what's the latest research. And I love that you go, that's your go-to.
1: Absolutely. It's, our field is so broad and it's truly impossible to know it all. So I think that, yeah, like Like I said, that's a good reminder for those new SLPs that don't worry, no one knows it all. Um, There's just way too much. So you just have to kind of find your area and take it, take it day by day. Yeah. Such good advice.
0: Do you wish someone could just write your evaluation reports for you? Doesn't it feel like all speech and language referrals happen at the same time? Just when you think you're finally caught up, bam, another referral comes in. Although I don't have someone who can write your report for you, I do know someone who developed a resource to make report writing easier. Jason Gonzalez, a pediatric OT of more than 18 years, worked in many school districts and found that report writing was a pain point for almost all therapists. That's why he created Double Time Docs to help you write reports quicker. All you have to do is answer multiple choice, fill in and short answer questions and voila, your fully written speech and language evaluation report is generated automatically. No more copying and pasting, which means reduced errors like pronouns or incorrect names. You get to tailor the final report to your client and cut your report writing time in half. Evaluation reports can take more than three hours on average to write. You can keep wishing you had someone to write your reports or you can try double time and actually finish your reports quickly. No more writing reports after work or on vacation and no more hiding when someone brings you a new referral. Find out why thousands of individual SLPs and teams are using the software and experience their highly rated customer service firsthand for yourself. Visit bit.ly doubletimedocs double time docs to try double time docs for free for 30 days. If you love the trial, don't forget to use the code SPEECHY4 towards one free dot credit when you sign up for the subscription. So now you're working in early intervention. What are your tips for working with this population?
1: Yes. So my passion for early, early intervention started when I worked in The outpatient clinic. And I had, like I said, I was doing birth to 18. So I only had, I would say, like four early intervention kiddos on my caseload. But at the time, that was when I was brand new out of college. So I felt confident working with kids and confident doing therapy. But the area that I lacked confidence in was talking to the parents. So as a new therapist working with the early intervention kids, I was doing one on one therapy. And I knew that that was not best practice. I knew that I should be involving the parents more and doing parent coaching. But honestly, I just was so scared of it. I don't know why looking back, I think, um, you know, everyone just feels a little nervous at first. Um, So like I said before, I just handled it like I always do. And I did um, a CEU. So I did the Hannon It Takes Two to Talk workshop. And that completely changed uh, my therapy style because as I'm sure you know, it's completely focused on parent coaching. And so that really made me feel more confident in being able to talk and work with the parents. So I brought that back to the outpatient clinic, and I started inviting the parents into the therapy room, which, oh my goodness, I should have been doing from the beginning, but I'll just be honest, I wasn't. Um, So that really helped me there. And then when I moved to Colorado, I thought, Why not continue to do this thing that's a little out of my comfort zone? So now I see kids in their home, which is completely different than seeing them in the therapy room. I see so much more progress and so much more carryover since the parents are in their own like comfortable environment and they're very involved. So to get back to your your initial question, the advice that I would have is you have to focus on that parent coaching. Um, You are only seeing the client once a week and they're with them all the time, as we all know. And so just starting off doing one-on-one therapy and then moving towards the parent coaching, the the progress that I see, the difference is just huge. And it's so important. So if you're like me and you are lacking a little bit of confidence in that area, definitely um, do some CEUs, do some research on how to do that parent coaching and really involve the, the parents' daily routines in the therapy. I think when I go in, I'm just so used to doing therapy during play. But not every parent has time to sit down and play with their child every single day. So it's really important to get to know the the parent's schedule. And if they tell you their daily routine and there's no play in there, then you shouldn't be doing therapy during play. You should be doing therapy during mealtime, during bath time, um, when they're getting dressed and just embedding those strategies that you're teaching them into their daily routines. And I think you'll see a lot more carryover with that. That's such good
0: advice. I like how you're meeting the family where they're already at and helping them feel confident with the routines that they already have. And then I'm sure like once they're open to more suggestions, you might be able to like embed some of that play in there.
1: Yes, absolutely. So the
0: Hannon It Takes to i I've heard of the course. I've never taken it. Is it an in-person course? How
1: often do they have them? Do you know? Yes. So I don't know exactly how often they have them, but I... I want to say maybe like once or twice a year in, in your area, what I had to do was I had to sign up for notifications because at the time I was living in Southern California and I, I don't know if it's like this everywhere, but it was extremely high demand. Like I think one came out in Pasadena, which is by where I, where I used to live and it was sold out within a few days so I actually signed up to receive the notifications um also because if you're one of the first people to sign up you get a discount so I signed up to receive the notifications and then they notified me that a workshop had opened where I was so I signed up right away so that would be the first step if you're interested is just signing up to receive the notifications And then yes, it's an in-person, um, conference. It's three days long. So it's, it's a time commitment, but the information you learn is just invaluable. Um, you get to do role plays, you get to do, um, like work with the other SLPs and, and watch videos and do real life examples. So yeah, that's, that's just a little bit about it, but it's extremely valuable information.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I'm looking at the schedule now they do a lot of international trainings, but they have some coming up this year in the states in like, Tucson, California, Seattle, actually Fort Lauderdale around where I live, which I'm going to definitely check out. And hopefully they're able to do them. But yeah, a lot of different locations around the states. So I'd recommend anybody who's interested to go online and check that out.
1: Yes, definitely. Cool. So
0: I know you're also passionate about speech sound disorders. How did you fall in love with this area of SLP?
1: I'm still trying to find like my niche, you know, trying to figure out exactly what I love. When I had gone into being an SLP, I thought speech sound disorders all the way. I went to speech therapy as a kid. I just had a list, but I just remember loving going to speech therapy. Like my, my SLP really made it play based really enjoyable and when i look back on going to therapy i feel like it was just going to play time and obviously it wasn't the slp was embedding work into it but i feel like that should be the goal the kid just thinks oh you know i'm going to see my slp we're going to have fun we're going to do some work and that's really what I felt looking back at, at the therapy that I had when I was younger. So that was what inspired me to be an SLP. And going into grad school, I was like speech sound disorders all the way. And then when I got out of grad school and went to my first job working with a large variety of um, disorders and populations, I really fell in love with language, autism. I just, I loved it all. So then I was like, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do, where I want to specialize. And So now, like I said, I work in early intervention, but I just, I still just love speech sound disorders. And I'm actually taking CEUs on speech sound disorders, even though I am not working with that population. And a lot of the products I put out are geared towards speech sound disorders, just because I really enjoy working with that population. So that will definitely be a population that I will work with again in the future. But one of my favorite things about it is... Assessing, and I feel like there's two types of people. some people are like "You like assessing you? I hate it And then other people love it and I'm definitely one of the, the people that loves it. Um, I look at it kind of like a puzzle, and especially with phonology, it just fascinates me how they how children can make their own rules for our speech sound system, um, just trying to figure out exactly what they're doing, which sounds they have, what sounds they don't. Um, I really enjoy that that kind of like detective work of assessing speech sound disorders.
0: That's awesome. I love assessing too, but in the area of AAC, so I totally get it. Um, Your product, the Speech Tree Co., a lot of the mini objects are great for working on speech sound um, errors. What other areas are the products good for?
1: yeah so yeah so like i said um, a lot of them are geared towards speech sound disorders so i have like an articulation set that is just the objects sorted by speech sound and then i recently this past month put out um, a set for phonology so for minimal pairs so for like cluster reduction final consonant deletion um, six of the major processes i have objects that represent each minimal pair so that you can do some hands-on therapy as opposed to to those articulation flashcards. And that was like my baby. I have been working on that for probably like six months. And I just love that set so much. And then um, apart from that, I have a few of these like task boxes that are sorted by goal. So like object function, categories, basic concepts. So it comes with like flashcards and then objects that you can use to work on that specific goal. But definitely my, my pride and joy are my articulation set and my minimal pair set. And the thing I love most about it is that you can, just because they're sorted by speech sounds, you can still use them for language. So you can still pull out a box and then use the objects to work on your prepositions and your describing and your object function and all of that. So I think that these little objects are just so versatile and you can use them to work on almost any goal. And that's why, that's why I really love them.
0: Yeah. Well, I love them too. So thank you for sharing that. Well, before we wrap up, was there anything else that you wanted to mention? I don't think so. This has been so fun. Okay. So let's get into our little getting to know you questionnaire so people can learn more about you. Yes. Uh, do you have any good stories or therapy fails that you want to share?
1: Oh gosh. Um, let's see. So for therapy fails, I mean I feel like I just have the standard like accidentally spitting on a child when you're practicing your speech sounds and just <laughs> all of those <laughs> all of those things. Um a funny story is oh gosh. So I, I ran I used to run a, a social group with kids who were like seven to eight years old and we usually do like a show and tell. So they get to bring a toy and in the beginning they just talk about their toy. Um, and show it to their friends and one day a kid walked into my social group with a container with a huge tarantula in it Oh gosh. it was his pet tarantula and he brought it to show his friends um I am not a fan of spiders I did not enjoy that and so I I put it on my bookshelf to he he didn't get out let me just tell you if that's where you're going um, <laughs> I put it on my bookshelf and um So where I could see it, so I can make sure, you know, that tarantula stayed in that cage. And I have to say, it was probably my worst uh, social skills group ever. I could not take my eye off that tarantula. (laughs) Uh, So that's definitely a funny story that has happened to me.
0: That's really funny. Oh my goodness. I would probably do the exact same thing. That's so freaky.
1: Yes. (laughs) So what are three things that you can't work without? Um... So like three things I can't do therapy without? Yeah. Yeah, okay, Um, pen and paper. I can whip up anything to target any goal with just a pen and paper, of course. Um, And then I really have become obsessed with just having a bag. So just having like a drawstring bag that you can't see through. Um, What I've found is that kids of any age, like working in early intervention, even early teenagers, have, if there's like a sense of mystery to it, then they're engaged. So with my early intervention kids, sometimes we'll just go around the house and take objects from the house, like a cup, a spoon, a brush, and put them in a bag, and then they just get to, like, pull it out of the bag, and then we talk about it and work on vocabulary, and I found that to be helpful. Like, it's like those what's inside the box products that that I'm sure you've seen. Just having that, like, mystery can make any, any activity very engaging, so definitely a bag that I can put stuff in, and then um, my mini objects, probably. <laughs> I was like, I hope she'll mention those, too. <laughs> <Yes>. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, yeah, no, I love the bag idea. That's also really great to work on questioning as well. Like, especially, like I'm thinking in terms of kids who use AAC, they could ask like, what, you know, for what is in the bag, um, or see, like, let me see what's in there. So I love yes. that idea. Absolutely. So what do you enjoy doing outside of
1: work? Yeah. So, Um, we love, my fiance and I love camping and hiking. So it's been really fun moving to Colorado, which has endless opportunities for that. Um, and then we just got our puppy. So it's been snowing, um, a lot this winter. So we haven't had too much time to do outdoor stuff yet, um, since we've moved here, but I'm really looking forward to this spring. Um, just going on, um, some hikes and going camping with our new dog, um, and exploring the state. So we really like being outside.
0: Yeah. And it's a beautiful state to do those things. That's awesome.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So what is one piece of advice you would tell your younger self?
1: Oh my goodness. Okay. Um, I guess I'm just thinking in terms of like me as a right out of school as an SLP. Um, and like I talked about, you know, I'm a high achiever. I was, I was hard on myself. So I think the thing I would like to tell myself is that it's okay to fail, you know that's how you learn new things, and then also kind of like we touched on, um, you don't need to know everything or do everything right away. Um, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So you you have plenty of time throughout your career to learn, um, and yeah, you don't need to know it all right away, and you can't you can't know it all right away. So that's probably what I would tell myself.
0: I love both of those, and I think those are. Sometimes we get some similar like sayings or quotes and those are two newer ones. I mean I've heard them but I think they're really important for people here. So it's okay to fail and it's a marathon, not a sprint. I love that. Yes. Awesome. Well if people are not familiar with you, where can they find and connect
1: with you? Yeah so my Instagram is at speechtreeco. Um and then my website is speechtreeco.com. And I have an Etsy shop and that's where I started out. So my Etsy shop is also called Speech Tree Co. So everything, uh, Speech Tree Co, pretty much on all social media platforms. I have a Facebook as well, but I'm definitely most active on Instagram. Um, So yeah, you can DM me there or follow me and um, we can connect through Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rochelle. This has been
0: really helpful. And I know... People are going to be very excited to hear from you and I'm excited to follow along on your journey. Yes. Thank you so much. All right. Until next time. Okay. Before we go, I wanted to see if you like listening to these episodes every week. Do you want to keep hearing from these awesome guests and do you love that you can learn the helpful resources and tips for free? My editor, a.k.a. my sister, and I spend a lot of time every week putting these episodes together so that they can be ready for you on Wednesday mornings. We would love it so much if you would take a screenshot of this episode and share it on social media or leave a positive review. And guess what? Every month I will choose one reviewer to win a little thank you gift. You can choose from a product in my TPT store, an AAC coaching call, or gift card. It's the least I can do to show how much I appreciate your support. It's because of you that this podcast keeps going.